Hello, everybody. This is Darren Redman, and we are with Bill Kelly again for the first time. I'm so excited to uh, talk to Bill Kelly today. Uh, you, you, people who follow me on social media, you know how much I love Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh, I did not read the book, uh, so I went in cold as, as a person who just enjoys movies. You guys all know that. Uh, and um, uh, the role that Bill Kelly plays as Sheriff Jackson um, made me kind of want to uh, see some of the other stuff that he did because he hit it a home run in, in, in that role. Um, and we'll talk about, about some of that. Uh, but Bill Kelly, how are you? And uh, I'm so happy and honored to have you on the Again for the First Time podcast. Thank you, Darren. God, we've been trying to set this up for a while. Yes, you know, yes. it's um, Social media is a great thing. Sometimes yes. it's a horrible thing. A lot of times it's a horrible thing, but uh, it enables you to connect with people who are you know, in the podcast industry who love films. Yes. I love podcasts. I listen to them quite a bit. Oh, yes. And um, there's pretty much a podcast for everybody out there. And so it's great, you know, to find people who just love to share their passion. So I appreciate you having me on. Well, I appreciate that so much. And, and uh, let's jump into this. I, did you have any idea? Because to me, it's sort of a double-edged sword. A wonderful book, as I learned later, um, but it's like sort of with the MCU universe. Um, people have these preconceptions in their mind about what that book is, what that comic book character would be like on the mm -hmm. big screen. So you're going to have some people that are going to hate anything that you do. But sure. do you have any idea how much this movie would be loved as it was and uh, your role in it we'll talk about? Um, but... Are you surprised that it was as big as it, it's been? Well, I think anytime you take a a movie and and make a you know make a movie out of a book that's that successful, it's a chance. You know, it's your you know you you gotta you got one shot of getting it right. And I got to hand it to to this team at Hello Sunshine and Lucy Alibar, the screenwriter. She nailed it, Livy Newman. Our director, um, fantastic job. Polly Morgan, who is an amazing cinematographer. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Su Chang. I mean, just production, uh, location, everything just just came together and and made this film just hugely successful. And, and I think where people read the book, you know, you've got the diehards who are like, oh, it's nothing like the book or um you know, they didn't do this. And why didn't they do this? And it's the real reason is, is it's hard to squeeze 360, 390 pages of a book right. into a two hour movie. So mm -hmm. you've got to, you got to spend some time massaging that script and massaging the location and making it all fit together. And I, I just, you know, the numbers speak for their uh, for, for itself. And, and people they don't did realize, a phenomenal job. Oh, I think so. I think so. And people don't realize this. We are producers, editors, directors in our own mind. So when we read a book, uh, like I was a big fan of Leon Uris, um, his book Trinity, his book Redemption, um, The Hodge. And I bring all that up because while I saw none of them on the big screen, in my mind, I'm, I'm creating a movie, sure. a play. So we do that. And then when it doesn't fit that very narrow narrative that we have on the screen, our first reaction usually is to say, oh, that, why didn't they do this or this? And then... When they watch it again or they talk to their friends they mm -hmm. realize that this is the vision of the screenwriter and then you add in the very real thing that you're talking about 
trying to fit 10 pounds of potatoes in a five pound sack, exactly. you're going to leave some potatoes on the ground. You just are. Um, your role, we'll be talking a little bit about this uh, before we started <laughs> this interview. Uh, as Sheriff Jackson, I thought you just hit a home run. Thank um, you. I, 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 I use this anal uh, analogy, and it might be perfect, it might stink, but those kind of roles, like your role as Sheriff Jackson in a movie, are pivotal to the movie. It's like in the, when, with the sports team. Uh, yeah, I played college football. I coached college football. You can have a great quarterback, a great offensive line, a great defense. You have to have these, these people that uh, are the stars of the movie, like uh, you know, Daisy Edgar Jones. And, but if your special teams stink, you miss that mm -hmm. extra point, like Carolina did this past weekend. Um, so those that next level secondary characters are so important to the completion of the film. Uh, and we don't look at it sometimes that way, but talk a little bit about that if you can. But, but you, you have a role that's pivotal and transitional and setting up the base storyline and some of the other things. I'm a nerd, I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, um, talk about that because, boy, you really hit it. And um, you've played, I've heard you on other podcasts, talk, you've played law enforcement official, uh, people before, but you always bring mm -hmm. something different. Talk about that process and about that whole role of you are sort of, so the support beams of the movie in those transition roles that you play. Yeah, it's, you know, the cop role is, and I've done DEA and FBI and, you know, various roles of, of law enforcement and, and authority figures uh, with law enforcement. And especially in this case, you know, a lot of it is you've got all these moving parts to this, this film and this story. Um, but you've got the one guy who's, you know, he's, been in Barclay Cove for most of his life. He knows pretty much everybody in town. Um, you know, if something goes wrong, he knows it's probably out there. So he's intuitive, but he's also looking around and, and just, you can see the gears turning, you know, and that's what I try to, you know, portray on the film is, is that his, well. his mind's working and, and he's really looking at everything, trying to piece all this together. Um, and, you know, it, I hope it ended up, looking good because he's the one person in town that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's on, he's on the hunt and he's pretty confident he's going to find the person who did this You walk without through, giving away too much of the film. Right. And there's something about the film I want to bring up without bringing anything, without spoiling it for those who haven't seen it yet. Um, but what I thought was so brilliant in your performance, um, was you walked this wonderful, wonderful fine line. You were not robotic, but you were like, just the facts. Let's follow the facts. Mm -hmm. um, but yet there was this tinge of, I know these people. I know the legacy of the Swamp Girl. Uh, and, it, but, and it would have been very easy for you to play template, evil, bad cop, evil guy. Right. Bring them, and you don't do that. But yet you don't look like you're trying to embellish sympathy. or You just were... I look at it like you were just a proofreader. You were the umpire. These are the facts. Yeah. You were able to do the it truth. in such a way that was, yes, but but was very, um, your vernacular was very, this is it. This is where we go. Like, we got to follow these facts. Um, you know, this thing that's going on up there with that I won't talk about makes me think this. And um, <laughs> it's, it's a, 
it's a it's a wonderful acting skill that you bring to the table. I, like I was Thank watching. You. You're gonna give me a big head here. <laughs> well, look, look, you can't get any big in this. I'm like human Pez. I mean, this is a this is like a you know horrible. But very subtly, uh, you did that very similar type thing in the right stuff. When you're sitting, you know that scene. You know you're at the bar, and you're like, mm, you know, yeah. be happy with what you got. You know, I'm gonna give you a little reality. Reality is a lot of people. You know, Mr. Shepard. Uh, Alan, are you are not in the wonderful position that you're going to find yourself in? Uh, that was a very powerful scene. And, and I'm sitting there because, again, I'm a nerd. And, and I'm like, <laughs> these uh, little scenes are so important because you're setting up what comes next. You know, you're set up when you, when, you know, when, when you bring J.J. Uh, Edgar in and, and you're setting up everything else that's going to happen. That's important. You know, I mean, all, all pre-scenes are important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, yeah. Um, but that's what I mean. You bring a lot of that stuff in. Thank um, you. It was. Go ahead. It, it was definitely, you know, it was fun to shoot. You mentioned bringing her in and, um, you know, we had this, we had this big scene with these period vehicles, me and my pickup truck. And, uh, there were like three police cars, squad cars behind us. And we were in Homa, uh, Louisiana, which is a beautiful little town. And they had done exquisite set decoration, turning all these <laughs> storefronts into, you know, um, vintage Piggly Wiggly and um, mm -hmm. Western Auto and things like that. So we're in there, you know, we're shooting the scene and it's really, it's just us driving down the road mm -hmm. with the various shots of Daisy and, uh, and me. And, and we had, <laughs> we had gone down the road one time and they got a shot. And then we circled back around and lined everything up again. And they said they wanted to wet the street down because this was supposed to be after a rain shower. And they said, turn off the cars. So we turned them off. My truck wouldn't start again. <laughs> Absolutely would not start. Um, and it was, you know, we were running out of, out of day. I mean, it was, right. we're running out of sunlight. And so Libby says, you know what, get in the car get in this first squad car with the deputy and Daisy and, and we'll, we'll shoot that. Well, it didn't start. <laughs> we ended up like three cars. So we had one, I think one take of that shot. And that was the one that they ended up in the film. And that it's actually, fantastic. It worked. And so we got very lucky, dodged a, dodged a bullet on there, but yeah, it was just a true experience. I mean, it was just so amazing. Daisy is probably, I mean, Daisy, Taylor, Harris, um, all three are just these extremely nice people. I mean, mm -hmm. just cordial and, and manners, you know, great manners and, and um, professionals. I mean, these are great young people to work with. They've, and David Strathern is amazing. Uh, just such a, a great guy. I've watched him and so many things through the years and finally get to work with him is just unreal oh unbelievable uh, watching him in the courtroom scene if you watched from my perspective i almost forgot my lines numerous times because right. i'm just so caught up in what he's doing well, and, anybody um, that could play god as he did in, 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 a, in, a, in a former movie um is he's just was wonderful to watch and yeah everybody on that everybody all that cast Mm -hmm. Eric Layden, who played the prosecuting attorney, and, and um, David, and um, just all unbelievably 
nice. Um, the, the crew, great people to work with. Fantastic. I couldn't, I mean, I could just sit here and, and just go on and on about how great it was to work and, you know, hello, sunshine, fantastic group. And I, I, I watch what they're doing. The odd thing about the book in the, in the movie, me getting cast in this role is I was midway through reading the book when I found out that I had an audition for the film. And then I found out I got the part just as I was starting the last chapter of the book. So I had a pretty good idea of what, you know, Sheriff Jackson was all about and uh, where the movie was going. But, you know, we go back to um, how they cut this thing together and, and made this incredible script. Um, I went, my wife and I went to the premiere in New York, which happened to be our anniversary. So oh, what an anniversary, anniversary present. Mm -hmm. um, and I had no idea what the film looked like. I had no idea how it was going to play. And I, you know, I looked up on the screen and it's me for like the first 10 minutes. And I, I feel kind of self-conscious because I'm going, wow, that's, there's Reese Witherspoon and Daisy and I'm the first right. step. And that was really. But that's what I meant by you set the tone. You, your character and your performance set the tone. Let me know as the viewer what's going on. Yeah. What this is going to be about who the yeah. protagonist uh, and, and you did a wonderful job with that. Thank you. I like the way um, they cut it. I mean, I think that was looking back on it, reading the book. I, you, you always kind of wonder how they're going to do this thing. And um, and then when it came to pass, I mean, it, it was just I, I think everything worked. The funny thing about it was Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a 34 percent approval garbage. rating. It's just garbage. Just which which garbage. was nuts. I'm like, what? Yep, and and then um, the audience approval came back at 97%. What does that tell you? And it's like, you know, critics, I, I don't know how you get the job of being a critic, especially when people have different tastes. It's like going to a restaurant. Right. You know, you can critique the, um, the service and the food and the ambiance and everything there, but it, it needs to be prefaced with, I don't like spicy food. So this was a little too spicy for me, but you may like this. So I just, crit, critiques are just like, you know, critics are, it's just your opinion. So, but I hate that they're given so much leverage. Usually if a critic likes that, I, I don't pay much attention to, to what they like and what they don't like. Um, you know, Disney's um, film Lightyear, you know, mm -hmm. get so much critical because of one particular scene in there and stuff. Right. And I, you know, I, it didn't bother me. It's, you know, it's not, it's not, I thought it was a good film. Well, exactly. And uh, there were some critics and, and I know some of them, um, but I don't, especially nowadays with social media. I mean, we, we all yeah. have, the ability to see and to talk and to and have conversation about, and I don't know what's in the mind of some of these people. And I, you know, I want, maybe I do, mm -hmm. and I keep it to myself, but um, clickbait, uh, but uh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, when you have, and, and by the way, I'll go back to what we first talked about. You got a 98% from a large audience that read the book and has have this, thought process in the mind about what and you still blew it out of the water yeah that 38 percent is absolutely ridiculous it, it's like um, you, you, you see these moves in the academy what i'm sorry to keep talking 
the Whitney Academy Award for Best Actor, Best Actress. But you're like, who made this film? I never heard of it. Yeah, you know? and it, you know, that's a that's a lot of the, you know, the the choosing and stuff. I I like the film is up for uh, nominated for an award for the People's Choice mm-hmm. uh, for the for drama. I think it is drama film, and to me, that's the real proof is, yep. you know judge the film on who's in it judge the film and the acting and stuff but go see the film first before you jump on social media and and, you know try to influence others to not see it or see it or you know i like i like the solid we all like the good reviews (laughs) we don't like the ones that say don't go see it um but it's um yeah you know i think we live in a society where there's there's not enough uh truth out there and, and people want to just jump up and judge before they they know anything about you know particular car or whatever it is they got opinion about yeah i, I listen I, I don't talk politics but i i will say this unfortunately i see a lot of people um espousing truth that's just opinion and, and yeah and you know what it would be accepted just say it's your opinion it's yeah. that simple you don't yeah. lose you don't lose the moral high, high ground by saying it's my opinion it's like two things I want to talk about with the movie before we move on to some other stuff. One, you know, Daisy Edgar Jones, I think, and, and Danielle Deadwaller, if you've seen the movie Till, I think are far and away the two best performances and they should be up for Oscars. Now, I don't know if that's yeah. going to happen because these are sort of inside baseball movies and, and productions and they don't have the money and financing that some of the others do. And and um, um, I don't know if you saw Till, unbelievable movie. Haven't seen it yet. Um... It will disturb you. Yeah, it's you know that's one of the that's one of the stories that uh, Women of the Movement was a limited series that a friend of mine, uh, Chris Coy, played. He and I worked together in uh, Trial by Fire, and um, and he played one of the killers. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the bald, mostly bald, but had the side. So he played that uh, in the the women of the movement. I've seen this story uh, for years. I've been very familiar with the story for years and years. Uh, I think I even have a copy of my dad as of the Life magazine, or forgot the the magazine of the story that these guys later admitted that they had done this and got paid four thousand dollars and got paid four thousand dollars to admit they and got paid to do it. Yep, you know, and it's it's things like that that. Um, everybody needs to see or know that story mm-hmm. everybody needs to see that film because it is and there's there's people that you know a lot of younger people today don't, they don't know the history of the states and the bad and the good they just they shut it out they don't uh, what's 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 to, to, you know well, it's all depressing and disturbing but if you think about this you and i are not old people we're not yeah. but this happened less than 10 years before you and i were born mm-hmm how scary is that? Yeah. And there were, you know, there were, that was, that was rampant even when I was a kid. Right. You know, you saw a lot of racism and stuff and, <laughs> and it was, I, I always thought it was ugly then. I, I think it's ugly now, you know, it's despicable 100%. that our country went through a lot of that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, you know, and, the, and there were laws protecting it, which is just mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Crow laws were just oh, unreal. Yeah. Uh, one other question I have about um, the movie, and it, this is what I kind of talked about a little bit before without giving anything away. So I'm a very 
passive moviegoer. I like to be quiet in the movie theater. I go alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost shouted and pointed my finger because there was a certain thing in the movie. I'm going to have to speak on this kind of, I don't want to give anything away. Um, that deals with the case that you put forth um, where uh, Kaya is arguing uh, with Tate. And if you mm-hmm. notice this, she gives him something that he tried to give her that it, that that piece is very important later on in the movie. Very important later on. And it's funny because I love that that was there because it made your mind spin. Wait a minute. Was was this person, was he maybe involved? You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. um, was that, was that, was that there purposely? I mean, or, Oh, I'm sure it was, you know, it's, there are a lot of great little nuggets in this film and, and I encourage people go see it again, because yes. it's one of those things where you pick up new stuff. Every time you go see it, you're like, you know, I didn't notice it the first time around, mm-hmm. but it's amazing to me how, you know, going back to the book, Delia Owens did a, an amazing job on this novel. I mean, it's sold, I don't even know what the count is now. It's over 117 million right. you know, copies of this, this book. But when I'm, we're in the theater in New York for the premiere, you could hear people in the crowd who had not read the book, who didn't know the film, who hadn't read the script, who are gasping at certain things. And then the ending was like, oh my, what? Yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah. one of those things where it really is a draw, a jaw-dropping moment of that film. And, and people just are blown away. And then there's a, a few that, that don't quite get it. And they're like, okay, does that mean, right? you know, still message me and go, is this, is that? And I'm like, well, go see it again. Right, <laughs> and, see it again and, and see what you think. Yeah, so, it's, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to say, um, before I forget, because one of those questions I want to ask you in the two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to forget. Um, you've worked with some amazing people, but uh, recently uh, for the banker, you worked with Captain America. What was that like? The new Captain America. You know, actually, this is the second time I've worked with uh, worked with him. Um, he and I did uh, Pain and Game. We had a, this is like my first film. Um, oh, I wow. think I I think it's probably my first, maybe my second professional thing I've done. I did Burn Notice, and then I I did this film. And so Anthony Mackey and I had, had been sitting in the you know the the scene. Uh, there's a neighborhood watch scene where I'm playing one of the neighbors and, you know, the, my first film and I'm with Anthony Mackey and Dwayne Johnson and Mark right. Wahlberg and director, Michael Bay. And totally. Well, you, 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 with, you with a company. <laughs> oh yeah. That was like, yeah. You know, my, <laughs> and then I've gotten to work with uh, Dwayne again in ballers. And then I got right. to work with Anthony, but Anthony is, he's an amazing actor. He's an amazing person, just a really really humble, nice guy who really um, makes you feel like you're, you're part of the, the team and, and um, always cordial to people, always willing to, to give more and support, you know, the lower actors who are, who are trying to, because he's been there. He knows it's a struggle for everybody. You know, they, these people didn't start out at the top. No. You know, they started out just like where I, I started out in my career. And I want to talk a little bit about that in, in, in a second, but before I get moving, and then I want to talk about your role in the Wonder Years as well, um, which will kind of 
spin into the narrative that I, that I want to talk about. But um, you're born in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And um, if you talk a little bit about, about as being a child in Kentucky, and I bring all that up because I'm a big, as you can probably tell, I, I love American fiction. And I like sort of that, I mentioned Leon Uris earlier, that sort of fiction based upon reality. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see you, I know they're going to reboot Justified. And uh, they're doing that now. And, and I could see you just assimilating into, into a role <laughs> on that so quickly. So my, my couple of questions are, uh, it, what was it like growing up in uh, Kentucky? And um, when you see something like Justified, and it seven seasons did very well in its first run, now it's going to do another mm -hmm. run. Um, people don't realize that that American narrative uh, is still alive and well. You know, sure it is. I mean, there's, you know, the the world's a much different place. And I think now you're looking at Americana, you're looking at things and the way things used to be and, and try to settle the world down a little bit and um, justified a bit. I've been told a few times that, it, that you need to get on justified. And I'm like, I wish I had that power. Right. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like you should try this, and, and people don't realize it's it's totally different. I don't get to pick my role. Right. It doesn't work that way. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but growing up in Kentucky, you know, it was great. We we you know it was in the sixth late or late sixties, early seventies, eighties. So <clears throat> when I was a kid, you had three channels on television. Your dad was on the roof trying to make the antenna pick up the best two, and you kind of had that third fuzzy one. Um, you didn't have AC in a lot of homes. You had windows open all the time. You had fresh air moving. And pretty much, you know, if you weren't doing your homework or your chores, you were kicked out of the house. And it's go play. And right. get, here's your bike. Go play. And, you know, I, I don't see enough kids out playing. But we we had dirt clod fights and corn cob flight fights. And we hunted crawdads. <laughs> they were pretty abundant, you know, where I live. We went frog gigging. Mm -hmm. um, and fried frog legs, you know, grilled frog legs sure. and stuff. And, um, we did kid stuff, you know, we took off on a Saturday morning well, after cartoons, of course, uh, yes. we would eat our, we would eat cereal reading the back of the cereal box because you didn't have a TV in the uh, kitchen. You certainly didn't have anything to read. No. So you looked at the back, back of the cereal box Yep. and anybody our age looks at that and goes, oh, yeah. Um, and music, yeah. you had radio. You had a transistor radio. You would put it under your pillow late at night. You'd hear all these great radio stations coming in from Chicago and New York and L.A. and Tijuana, uh, clear channels, these AM radio stations. And sports was big. You had your favorite team. Uh, mine was the Cincinnati Reds back in the, you know, the heyday of the big red machine with Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and just all these great people. Um and you had people that acted like civilized with yes. manners and respect and respecting your elders and yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And, oh, absolutely. you know, talks over the dinner table. Nobody held a phone. Mm -hmm. um, when you knew somebody, our, our social media, or our social platform was a bunch of bicycles sitting in somebody's house, you know, mm -hmm. sitting out in the front yard. That's how you knew what everybody was doing. Uh, so it was, you know, it was a normal life. I, I grew up in a, small town, Richmond, Kentucky, uh, home of Eastern Kentucky University. Mm -hmm. Pretty much stayed there until I, uh, you know, got work and and moved out and never looked back. You know, my parents and I were 
close my entire life. My mom passed in 2020 and so, my dad, you know, he's, he's almost 86 years old in just a few days. And, uh, um, happy birthday, dad, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, going and seeing him and I keep up with people in school and I'm pretty much just a normal guy who worked his butt off to get here and, and, um, just have a pretty normal life. You know, I, and there, there might be reasons for it that, that I certainly don't want to get into, but people don't realize that your story is really is, is, is a wonderful blessing that we have here in this country that you can start in middle America in certain mm-hmm. areas and, and, and become very, very successful. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I was listening to you um, talk about growing up there and the image that popped into my mind was um, the movie October Sky. Um, I love that movie. Isn't that a great movie? And again, yeah. that's the kind of stuff we talk yeah. about, that sort of narrative of, of, of America. Yeah. You know, and, and oddly enough, that's where my dad is from. Oh, wow. This is right outside wow. of where the, the Rocket Boys were all talking about. I grew up. He knew, he knew, forgot Jake Gyllenhaal's character, his brother. Yes. He knew his brother in real life. Um, But yeah, it is. That's a lot of what it is. And looking at October Sky, my grandfather was a coal miner Mm -hmm. uh, in Jolo, West Virginia, which is right outside of, you know, Welch and all the little towns he was talking about. Um, You know, lived the life of coal miner. You had asbestos shingles on the side of the house, which who knew back then? But you, you had... It was tough. You know, times were tough. Life was tough up there. And, and uh, we, it wasn't that bad in Kentucky where we were. But um, yeah, that's a great October sky is is pretty much I, a lot of my relatives. That's that's where they grew up. So you had um, still do you know, quite a career in radio. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, there's first of all, before I forget. Uh, born on July Fourth, so you're a Yankee Doodle mm-hmm. Dandy. You, you, you yeah. know, which is kind of great. Which so is, did, you know, nobody yeah. knows what that means anymore. <laughs> well, you and I do. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, um, people don't realize James Cagney wins the Academy Award for a movie not about being a mobster. It's not about, about being a mobster. Yeah, being a, a um, song and dance man. So song and people dance, don't realize yeah. that. Um, we were talking a little bit before we went on uh, to record this. The power of radio. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think that it's mm-hmm. built into the DNA of who we are. Because if I'm like you kind of mentioned when we were talking previous, music is a ability to go back in time or to think about going forward in time. Yep. Um, and I would say even your voice or anybody's voice, um, you hear that. Uh, for me, you mentioned transistor radio when my parents went through the divorce um, um, and they would argue. And uh, I had a little Superman radio and I would put on uh, 77 WABC and listen mm-hmm. to top 40 hits. And then I would switch it over to CBS and listen to news all night. Uh, or I listened to the games on the radio. Mm-hmm. I still listen to ball games on the radio for that reason. Yeah. Uh, if you talk a little bit about the power of radio uh, and, and just in American culture. Yeah. It's, you know, I started out in 1981 um, I took a broadcasting class when I was in 
college, I was I started out as an architect major, and and then I just went, this is not for me. And right. a year and a half after, or a year after I started, um, I switched to broadcasting, and I was in the same class with Sam Champion, who is the uh, Good Morning America and, and the Weather Channel meteorologist. Oh yeah, uh, went on to do great stuff in his career, and. Um, and he was, you know, he was kind of the poster boy. We all wanted to be like Sam because he was really talented way back then. And, and you just knew he was going to do great. But, um, you know, when I got a job in a small AM radio station in my hometown, and that's kind of where it all started. We were a daytime radio station, meaning that we went on the air when the sun came up and we went off the air at sunset. FCC set all those, you know, regulations. And it was... Uh, you know, it was eye-opening. My first experience on the air, I dropped the F-bomb and um, nobody called. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody really was listening to, you know. You said that's good, that's good and bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's good and bad, yeah. Um, and from there, you know, I, I got the, the, the radio feel for it and then uh, moved on to a, a station in just outside of Lexington, Kentucky. It was a top 40 station. Did you know well there? Um, but I was still working a, a late night shift, and so I moved to Davenport, Iowa, for you know try to radio is a stepping stone for an air personality. You you step try to get to bigger markets all the time. It's like a chess game, and um, or a checkers game. And I uh, <laughs> decided that Iowa was way too cold. I stayed there for like three months. Went back to Kentucky. Went back to the station I started at. And in 1986, I went south to Tallahassee and um, small jump in, in a small uh, market in Georgia, but um, came to Tallahassee in 1986. And I am still at the same radio station. That's great. All these years. And, and acting is great. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a full-time job for me right now. I still work in radio. I work for iHeartRadio in Tallahassee. Uh, I still love it. I still love coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm now off the air. I got off the air in 2000 and went into radio sales. So mm-hmm. now it's looking at, you know, selling advertising and, and helping people grow their business and telling them how they can do it. And, um, but yeah, the career in radio has just made me love music as a whole. It's, it's an emotional connection because you can remember where you were when you heard the news of, uh, you know, the Kennedy assassination, if you're back then, or, mm-hmm. or the shuttle, or 9-11, or John Lennon, mm-hmm. um, musical moments in, in history. I mean, we just lost Jerry Lee Lewis, yes. you know, and that was uh, pretty tragic. You know, it, it, all these, oh, yeah. all these great songs that he came out with, and a lot of artists that died way too young, but mm-hmm. their music it does it's in doesn't die you know it doesn't die with them kurt cobain yep. um you know a lot of these great artists that um, have passed away their music is going to live on forever and we yes. just got to keep i think we need you know as a as a society we need to keep educating people on the past oh, uh, music especially because people don't understand there's a lot of songs out there that people hear and they just don't know the history of that, that song or the, uh, and I read you a meme earlier that, um, 
I forgot what it says, but it's, I'm going to read it because it's really good. Uh, it says when you're happy, you enjoy the music, but when you're sad, you understand the lyrics. Yeah. And that's true. true. You have a favorite song with your, when you meet somebody and you want to hear sad music because it reminds you of that person when they're no longer in your life. And yeah, there's joyous occasions when you get married in the first day. I DJed a lot of weddings and, um, there's even a series of song songs called the 200 most requested DJ tunes. Right. And most of them are their songs that, that if I never hear again, because oh, I've played them so much, I I'll am be happy. sure. I Macarena sure. is at, at probably at the top, <laughs> top one of that one. Oh, I, I, I am absolutely sure. And as somebody who, who was a bouncer in, in uh, clubs for 12 years in New York city, uh, yeah. uh, there's some songs that if I, uh, if I ever go into a nightclub or a bar, this or that, I'm like, please don't play that yeah. again. You know, just bar don't, people. I, I worked a club and the bar people, the people who work in the bar, mm -hmm. they're like, I'm hearing the same songs over and over. And I'm like, the people who come here don't hear the same songs over and over. That's so right. You're not the audience. So shut Correct. up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're getting paid to be here. Just, yeah. you know, do, you, do your, your, your business. Yeah. Um, and I think the music, you know, uh, now you have streaming radio, Sure. iHeart app where you can right. stream your favorite radio stations all over the world. Uh, podcast. You can make your own, <laughs> yeah, podcast. Podcasts are, podcasts are huge right now. There's, I think iHeart has over 250,000 different podcasts. And podcasts are one of those things. It's kind of like talk radio. You're engaged yes. when you're listening. And people are like, you know, through time, people have said, well, you know, a track, it's going to be the end of radio. No. I don't know how many people even know what 8-track is anymore. I still have one up there. 8-track's uh, going to end radio. Okay, well, cassettes are going to end radio. Music, you know, CDs are going to end radio. And now digital's going to end radio. And it's just, it it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. You listen to the radio to find the songs you like. Then you right. put them in your collection. No, it's That's true. how we get our collection of favorite songs. We hear them on the radio. And one, you know, I could go on and on about the, the power of music and stuff, but you know, radio's there when you want to engage and your music collection's there when you want to disengage and, and oh, know, absolutely, absolutely and not, and, not have to worry about the problems of the world. And before, before I let you go, because I could talk all day, I'd look the clock, wow, which this, I know you have something to do and I have something I got to do. Um, I want to say this about radio. You, Bill Kelly, and anybody who does what you did in radio, um, and as somebody who sold that, um, media advertising for years, we could talk offline about that. You yeah. Know, the demographics and, and why oh, it's yeah. so powerful to be part of that. You've been witness virtually to marriages, deaths, divorce, losing jobs, mm -hmm. first time you kissed a girl, you know, the, all that stuff. Um, I can tell you radio has been part of that because to your point, you put on that song or... I, I, you know, I had a bad day at work. I'm just decompressing in, in a car right now. You know, I hope there's a good song. On. I hope I hope they're engaging me on some sort of conversation that I want to hear. Um, mm -hmm. So before I let you go, because I'd love to talk to you again sometime, what's coming up? Where can we see you next? Uh, and again, people go see where the crowd dad sing, please. Yes, please. Uh, it, it's available on digital. Oh, perfect. So you can you can order it online through Amazon Prime. Uh, you can get it on Blu-ray 
and uh, it's going to be coming to streaming pretty soon. So more on that, but uh, stuff coming up. I shot an episode of Manhunt, a new series on Apple Plus that's about the Lincoln assassination. Um, I've got that coming up. Not sure when it's coming out. And then uh, shot a pilot earlier this year for a, a series called Found mm -hmm. that is, uh, they got picked up by NBC. So oh, nice. um, hopefully going to be shooting some more episodes of that. And then last year, you know, I was in season one of the Wonder Years, three episodes there oh, as Coach Wright. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't heard anything yet, but hoping to come back in the, in the future and do more of that show. That was just a, what a great family, you know, of, of great characters and... Thank you for bringing that up because I would have been angry at myself with the notes because I looked at time, but talk about that very briefly because, uh, again, very important because, and again, you have another layer. That was extremely successful television show, the first run, mm -hmm. and has a different spin now, and, but it's a timepiece, but it's fiction, but yet it, it feels very real and very truthful because it is. How do you prepare for a role like that? You know, I think everybody in this this series, it doesn't beat you over the head with what's wrong with the world of 1969. I think most people are pretty pretty knowledgeable about you know what was going on in that era with Vietnam and civil rights, and um, it just shows the points. You know, it shows the life of a a middle class African American family in 1969 who. Um, goes about life and teaches lessons and and just has you know normal everyday stuff going on with school and then every once in a while you see that the ugliness of of um racism or something like that that'll rear its head vietnam war and you know so it's it's not beating you over the head with the the problems it tells you the the stories of just a, a great family and how these amazing characters um you know this this these amazing parents raise their kids right and i gotta i gotta take just a moment to talk about ej williams who plays dean in the show um what an amazing young man he and his little brother cj um are these are great kids they're very respectful their dad and mom they have raised those kids so right. right they're they're smart they are um they've got a, a bunch of great lessons, life lessons. So, it, you know, follow EJ and in, in, uh, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff and, and just uh, watch this kid develop because he is going to be a force to be reckoned with not only in acting, but in the world, he's going to do some great things in his life. Speaking of that, Bill Kelly, I want to thank you for bringing joy to people's lives. Uh, thank you. And at least a way of grounding people sometimes if they're having a bad day. Um, and, um, you get lost in the roles that you do on the big screen and on the television and then streaming now um, and more to come, which is, which is wonderful. Uh, yeah. I want to thank you so much for being my guest. Um, thank you for having you. Me. You filled my cup big time today. <laughs> Have a great day. You too. Appreciate it.